0: Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. Well, it is uh, definitely what a difference a week makes, isn't it? Uh, Last week we were sitting here saying... Man, I hope I can get to church because of the snow and we're thanking God for 4 wheeler 4 four-by-fours. And this week we've had a beautiful week that God has blessed us with and we can enjoy getting here and uh, the snow is melting away. I, I mentioned last week because I forgot an important request. Uh, I am, forgot a, 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 something to ask of you that I, I would love. Um, the, the snow was removed from our parking lot last week. And many of you don't know, but some of you might, that uh, the guys over at at Nickel Construction, they move all that snow for us, and they do that as kind of a blessing to our church and to all the churches. And so I wanted to make a request, if you can do me a favor, I would love to shower the people from there. If you know someone from there uh, this week, if you can make a point to just call them, thank them, whatever, and just say thank you for helping out with the snow, um, that'd be a great request and a great way to just honor their serving us. Uh, This week, so hopefully we don't have too much more of that where they have to come and do anything else But we can still thank them regardless for that. So uh, if you could do that, that'd be wonderful Uh, This morning we go to our word the word God's word and we want to Look again at this idea of being part of God's family uh, Being a member of a church family here at community Bible as we're journeying through And to do that uh, this morning, we're going to talk about growing as a disciple growing as a discip- up as a disciple or up as disciples together as a corporate. Uh, we want to grow up because I think it's important to take that on and, and, and sometimes we miss that in the church world, that, that our growing up as disciples is really helpful for each other. We get that in our family world. We get that you take on responsibility and, and you learn chores to help the family out. I was thinking about my own story. My own responsibilities go back to when I was 16. What's the big thing that every 16-year-old boy wants to do? He wants to finally get his driver's license so he can go out on the road and, and, and journey out and kind of take on responsibility and, and have a growing experience. It's one of those, those milestone events of growing in, my, in as a person. But my parents, suddenly, when I was the oldest of four siblings... Uh, they said, "Hey, you have responsibility. Guess what? You get to drive your brothers and sisters around to all their stuff." It was the the natural thing of me growing up in my own walk. Really helped the family out because now suddenly I was able to take brothers and sisters to sporting events or to other things that were on their th- on their on their agendas, and it relieved my my parents to be able to do other things. The growing up not only helped me, but it helped our family out get just schedule together. And for many of you, some of you grew up on a farm or or doing chores at the house where, where you, the part of the reason that you grew in your responsibility, the chores that you took on was to help out the larger family. And that's the same way for the church. I think we miss that sometimes in our own discipleship, that we think it's about me. And really, again, as we talk about being part of a family, what it is is our growing has to do with are growing together so we can better encourage each other and walk with each other. So this morning, we want to be reminded that over the past couple weeks, I've, I, I, several weeks ago, I took a look back at the scriptures and even we asked, is this idea of membership, being a member in a church, belonging to a f- local body, is it even biblical? And we made the case that through a number of scriptures, we said, Yes, I think it is that that God wants us to be committed and part of a local church and not to just kind of be free-floating wherever. We moved on to say, what starts to make up the aspects? It's not just being in attendance on a Sunday. It's not just giving to the offering. But a good, healthy church member, as we saw a couple weeks ago, is biblically shaped. They're diving into the Word and growing in the Word so that when they come and they're part of the body, they're being informed and being able to use God's Word as we talk with each other. Not just informing informing us of, what i think but ultimately encouraging each other with what god thinks and last week we talked about relying on prayer being in prayer for each other for the church that we can grow and be dependent on him so this morning we want to talk about growing as a disciple as as disciples together part of community bible and for some of you you're visitors so so again i remind us that some of you this doesn't apply as far as ...to our church, but I would encourage you to think in terms of your own church. Are you part of a church? And, and does your discipleship affect others around you as you're affecting them part of the local church? As you're growing, are you helping others grow as well in the body? So this morning we want to look at growing up in disciples. That's the message title. And I want to do it kind of by looking a bit at the book of Matthew... ...from a really high-level, quick look at Matthew... Uh, I also want to look at a little, co- couple comments from Paul's story and then also think about it from the local church in the body. So before we go into Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4 there, let me uh, pray and just ask God that he lead us in this, in this message this morning. Father God, we thank you this morning that we can gather in this place. We thank you that we are... Here to worship because of what you've done you have loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us and not just me but you sent your son to die for us together a body your church And as you've grafted us together, many of us who are part of this and call Community Bible our church home, or or those who are here visiting as they are part of their churches and belonging to their family bodies, may we understand that that family that you've grafted us together with, that we are there to grow in discipleship, to grow in each other's discipleship. Help us to hear that this morning, Spirit. Help us that that you've left us together and you, Spirit, to help us in our walks to make your church look good. Lord, I ask this morning that as we look at your word and consider some thoughts, as we consider some points, may we hear what we need to. We come in with a lot of things in our life and it could easily distract us. Or we could look at this message and, and be filled with the guilt that we haven't been growing lately, but let us be refreshed, renewed, and hear grace in that. Father, I ask personally that you speak through these words. That what is of you is what sticks, and what isn't fades away. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. Jesus, your example, and that we follow you, our God, our King. Open up with me to Matthew 4. We're going to look at verses 17 through 22. And that's going to be on page 689 if you're grabbing for the Pew Bible. 689. Uh, there we hear Jesus really starting off his ministry. He, he's going into, uh, we've heard the kind of Christmas account, him being born. And now it says he's starting his ministry, verses 12 through 17. So we start 17, verse, with verse 17 where it says this. From that time, as Jesus started his ministry, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, he says. And in other places, like Mark's gospel, he says, Repent and believe. This is the start of his ministry. And then he moves on from there, and he does what? Verse 18. This is our text. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Casting nets into the sea for they were fishermen And he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men Immediately they left their nets and followed him And going on from there he saw two other brothers James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat With Zebedee their father mending their nets And he called them and immediately they left the boat And their father and followed him he calls his disciples, these four guys, on the side of a, of a fishing, on the side of a lake. He walks by them, he approaches them, and he calls them to follow him. We know these guys by name. We know their stories. And this is where it all begins. By the Sea of Galilee. Fast forward, flip a bunch of pages over, and you're going to look we're going to look towards the end of Matthew's gospel Matthew 28 right at the end Matthew 28 this goes through the whole gospel message and we get to this other familiar passage at the end Matthew 28 where we hear in verse 18 these words again Jesus approaches these guys he comes up to him and it says in verse 18 and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven on in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus again approaches these same guys at the end of his earthly ministry, before he goes off to heaven to be with the Father. And and he again comes by them and he commissions them. And so at the front end of his ministry and the back of his ministry, what we see is Jesus is calling people to be disciples, and he calls them to make disciples. He calls them to be disciples, and he calls them to make disciples. That's the overarching picture of Matthew's gospel. In that first verse we looked at, what we need to note is a couple things. There's two sides to who is working in that calling. Jesus goes and calls them. He says, follow me, which is their response. But he also says what? He says a promise. He says, I will make you. So this idea of being a disciple, he's promising that he is putting himself online, saying, I'm going to do it. I have skin in the game. I am going to make disciples of you. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He's going to do the work. And they immediately leave and follow Him. They show faith in Him. They show commitment to Him. They follow after Jesus. They become disciples. I read that front passage and I read the back passage. But what happens in between? What happens in all the chapters in between? If we are following through our Bibles, we'll see in chapters 5 through 7, He calls them to be disciples and then what happens? The Great Commission, or the, sorry, the, the Sermon on the Mount, where, where Jesus gives this great teaching. He gives what it means to be following and living in his kingdom. He gives examples and speaks into these lives to other people, but mostly to those disciples, that they're hearing what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow him. They start to hear and listen as a disciple of what it means to follow Jesus. The next chapters, 8 through 9, after he teaches them, it moves on to them observing him. That they're watching him. In those chapters, we have Jesus doing all these great miracles. He does all these healings and, and these wonderful things. And we need to remember that the disciples are there watching the whole time. They are hearing and they're watching. Chapter 10, he chooses 12 disciples, he pulls them, he calls them out, he chooses them as set-apart ones, and then what does he do after he calls them? He does what? He sends them out to do what he's done. They've heard, they saw, and now they're going to do what Jesus is doing. They're following in him through action, through living it out. He sends them out. Now we can ask the question, were they perfect disciples? No. No. They weren't just perfect, they, they were in process, they were growing, they had a lot of work to do. In, in, in the story of them when he calls them out under the water and Peter steps on the water, we need to remember that the 11 others, they were timid, they stayed in the boat, they were fearful, they weren't going to follow him out on the water. In chapter 18, we see them asking themselves, who is greatest in the kingdom? And they, they're trying to get this idea that in other Gospels, it starts to say that they're kind of holding, trying to aim for more power. They're trying to get above and find status in it. And he says, it's like a child. They don't get it. They aren't perfect. They're struggling for hierarchy and they still haven't figured it out. They're still learning, they're still growing. Get Fast forward more to uh, the night which he was betrayed. Jesus says he's about to be arrested and go to his crucifixion. And what happens? Jesus holds a prayer meeting in a garden, right? He holds a prayer meeting, and what happens? These disciples who, who he wants them to follow in prayer, what do they do? They fall asleep at the prayer meeting. Anyone? Anyone done that? Okay. I won't raise hands. They fall asleep when Jesus needs them the most. And then he's arrested. And what does the text say? It says, they left him. Read into that. They didn't follow him, they were bad disciples. Then they witness his death, they witness Jesus serving. They witness him rise from the dead, and he's laying down his life for them. And they see that, they see that him doing that for them. They see Jesus laying down and giving his life for his bride, the church, those he loves. Those that would believe in him and follow after him. Which leads us to our last verses that we read, those back verses, the Great Commission. He comes to them after he's risen from the dead and he commissions them again. He again approaches them and he says, go make other disciples. You are my disciples. Make more. Baptize them. Teach them. Show them to observe, to also see and hear me and follow me. Don't just make converts. Don't just save people. Make disciples he says make people who will follow me and this is the foundation for all of us these are the building blocks for all of us these bad disciples, the guys that are in process, they, that they're walking with him, that he calls on the sea of Galilee, they are the guys that he is asking to follow him What we witness in the book of Acts, next, is that they, if you were to go and read through that, these same guys that were disciples in process that missed it more often than they figured it out in the book of Matthew, suddenly they start to walk in faith, and they start to themselves teach what Jesus taught. They do what Jesus did. They're living it out, and they're walking in that life of discipleship. Which leads us to a first question, which I could have said earlier, but I want to save to this point. And that's really our first question. That's how I want to look at it, by just asking a few questions this morning. The first question that we need to ask in this idea of saying, we need to grow up as disciples is just asking the question, what is a disciple? What is it? What is a disciple? We could condense it down to say a disciple is one who learns and follows another. In that time and place, a disciple was one who followed their teacher, who, who learned the trade, who learned what they were doing, and then took on those aspects, and they themselves did it as the disciples were doing with Jesus. More specifically in our day, a disciple is, in Christian terms, anyone who is following Jesus. It's one who is walking in hearing, seeing, and then doing What should mean, I would make a case for, is that all of us as Christians are and should be disciples. That we're all disciples. That we are what's being talked about here, being disciples, followers of Jesus, who are taking on aspects of Him in our life and then living it out. But my concern... My concern is that we don't see ourselves as disciples. We don't see that term, us being a disciple who's walking, learning, growing, becoming more like Jesus. We don't see ourselves as that. And and we do that because there's another term that we take on, and, and that term kind of stops us from growing. That word is Christian. We call ourselves a Christian. Now, that might ruffle some feathers. I, I'm not saying that I'm not a Christian, but I, what I want us to say is, is that C uh, is that term Christian, meaning I'm saved, I'm, I'm good, I got eternal life, I'm done, that that term Christian is a, is a static, it's a still term. It's like saying I'm a car, but I always just sit in the garage and I don't do anything. It's a static term, it doesn't go anywhere, it's not in process, it's not actually doing what it's called to do. But a disciple is a dynamic, a moving term. It's a term that the car moves from the garage and drives out and does what it's supposed to do. It it takes people to different places. It, It fulfills its function and its desire. Sometimes we say that I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm good. And we skip out by saying, well, a disciple is really kind of a higher level Christian. That's like Green Beret, Navy Seal type Christian. Like, that's the pastors, the missionaries. I'm just a Christian, but I'm not a disciple. And I would say that that is is something that we should stay away from. We need to see that as that's, that's a wrong idea. This idea of being a disciple means that we are walking, and it's a thing of being in process, and it's a thing where we are moving towards Jesus and growing in his ways and growing in his teachings throughout all of our life. For some of us, we've been saved and then we stop growing. But we can take an example from the Apostle Paul. If you want, you can flip over to Philippians 3. Philippians 3 is something that we looked at a while back, but... Paul, the great missionary, the great church planter, the great one who, who was confronted by Jesus on, on a road, and he was blinded, and he, he, was, he was called to follow Jesus, and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Jesus calls him and moves him, and then we, we think, Paul has it all. Clearly, he's, he's got it all, but yet we read in Philippians 3, starting at verse 12, he says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have told you and now even tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their dis- end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies and be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to submit all things to himself. Do you hear what Paul is saying there? Him as a Christ follower, him as this missionary, him as this church planter, him as a disciple. He says, I I have obtained righteousness. I I know where I'm going, but I still have growth. I still have something to press on towards. I still want to become more and more like Jesus. I want to go forward. And I think what's behind it is he's saying, I want to continue to grow so that the church can be growing. So that other disciples can grow. Because he moves on from there and he says, imitate me, he's doing this so that others can grow, others can follow him as they're growing, as he's growing. For all of us, I I think we need to see ourselves like Paul and say, there's still stuff I have to press on to. There's still stuff that I have to obtain, things in my life that that I need to get rid of, uh, uh, things, habits in my world that I need to let go of. Yes, I've been saved but I need to keep growing in Christ. Which turns us back to the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, we m- read some of that passage a number of weeks ago. 1 Corinthians 12, it, it starts to talk about, okay, we're believers, we're we're part of this, but now it's collecting us into a local church, it's collecting us to part of the body, and, and Paul again uses this body imagery. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he starts to use what? He starts to talk about hands and feet, eyes and ears, and how we need each other. This isn't just about growing for your sake. It's, Paul wasn't just wanting to grow for his sake, but he was wanting to grow so the body could be made better. Think of our own bodies. If we have body parts, different hands, maybe a left hand, or left hand and right hand, and, and and one of them is growing and growing to full maturity and, and growing to be an adult sized hand, but one of them stays infant sized, baby sized, dwarfed. It's going to be a lot really hard to work with those two hands together. Or if one leg grows and the other doesn't, we're going to walk around with a limp all our life. The idea is that we want the body to all grow to help grow each other, that a healthy body is all growing. And so we've used this definition of discipleship. I don't think there's a slide for it this week. I forgot it. We use this definition that church membership, being part of a church body and committing to the church, is the formal relationship between a church and a Christian. And it's characterized by the church's affirmation, we said, Affirmation and oversight of, a, of the Christian's discipleship. The Christian being a disciple. The church is saying, we will over, be over that. We will help you grow. We will want you as a church, as you're part of this church, to say, we want to see you grow into full maturity and not be stunted in your walk. Not be stunted in your, your uh, growth with Jesus. We want you to hear and see and then walk out with Jesus in your life until he takes you home. And the other half of that discussion is that the Christian is in submission to the church living out his or her discipleship in the care of the church. It's the, this definition of membership is saying, as a Christian, you're saying, church, help me in the areas where I'm not growing. Help me to grow as a disciple. Help me to be partnered with you and help me walk in growth, in following Jesus Help me learn, help me to see, help me to walk so that I can be a fully matured disciple or a maturing disciple. The church, especially the local church, I think here at Community Bible is a sum total of the Jesus followers, a sum total of the disciples. Sometimes we think in terms of Healthy church and a growing church is those churches who have lots of numbers and lots of programs. But what I would say is we need to redefine a healthy church. A growing church is made up by healthy, growing church members, healthy, growing disciples. If we're not all growing, we're not a healthy church. So I want us to grow. We want us to grow. Which leads us to another question. Why must we grow? Why must we grow? We, we said that we, we want us to grow together, and that's a good thing, but I think there's a couple things that we can pull out from the Scriptures or from, from what we see in, in the Gospel message of why we should desire to grow. And the first, it's not going to be up there, but if you're taking notes, the first reason that we should grow is because it's a proper response. It's a proper response. We, we see these disciples in, in Matthew's gospel, when they start to see and follow Jesus and understand the gospel and what Jesus did, laying down his life for them, then later in the early church in the book of Acts, we see them understanding it, and they're responding based off the gospel, based off of what Jesus did for them. Their desire to grow has to do with saying, look at what Jesus did for me. I, I I owe it to him. I want to do it for him. I want to grow and, and proclaim him to the world and show him off in the world because of what he has done for me. It's so great. I could do nothing better in honoring what he did for me than desiring to grow as a disciple for him. We must grow because it's the proper response. It shows our understanding of truly understanding what Jesus has done. It's not just that we grow or that we grow because we think it's going to earn something from God. No, instead, it's a response out of what God has done for us. Also, we must grow because it should be desired. It should be desired. We should desire growth. We should desire it. We should long for it. We should want that growth for God first and foremost. We should desire to grow because it ultimately glorifies Him. Because if we're honest, it's not us that grow ourselves, but it's us letting God grow us and mature us. And and so when we grow and we desire growth, we also are, are showing that God is glorious and He's growing us and walking with us in this life. We should desire growth for ourselves. We should grow, desire it because for us, as we're growing, we're going to see more of the Spirit walking with us and doing things in us that we couldn't imagine. Some of you have experienced this, where, where you're, you're doing something, or you're talking to someone, and you're talking about God, or you're, you're walking with Him, and you're loving on someone, and you walk away from that conversation, and you said, that wasn't me. That was God walking, working out through me. It's me walking as a disciple and growing in it as a disciple and, and a, the Spirit can work out of me. And we should desire growth so that we can see more of that and witness more of that. We should desire growth so that we see freedom from sin as well. And not just for ourselves, but also for others. We should desire growth so that other disciples can grow in these same ways. So they can see the Spirit moving. So they can be walking away and be freed from sin. So that they can see and grow with us. And we should grow, desire to grow for the world. That others will look at disciples. That others will look at us as we're growing and they'll say, Who are these people? as we see and hear and learn and and grow in Christ and and walk out in that, the world is going to take note and say, who are these people? Who are these Christ followers? And we should want to grow because that's the Great Commission, to make them, to continue to grow in them. Thirdly, we should grow. We must grow because the reality, and this is the hard part of comment of this whole discipleship thing is that we need to grow because the reality is that we might be rebuked if we don't we don't think about that often times but I would say from the author of Hebrews he writes to that church there and he says some harsh words to them as disciples he's talking to a church to believers and he says these things in Hebrews 5 about this we have much to say And it is hard to explain since you have become dull in hearing, he says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. That's a hard passage to swallow. He's saying you've been been following Jesus for a long time and you haven't grown. You should be teachers by now. But you're not. You're still spiritual infants. You've slacked in your growing in Christ. People are having to teach you and reteach you the basics. And for some of us, maybe even myself included, at times in certain areas, growing up in the church, we need to take notes and say, I should be teaching in this area. I should be far beyond this. But I haven't taken my discipleship seriously. We might be rebuked. If we don't grow. So how? How do we grow? How do we grow? Well, two things that I want us to note. One is biblical depending on Christ. Go back to what Jesus said. The, the way we must grow is by believing that he said he's going to do it. He has skin in the game. This isn't us trying to do it on our own. It, it's not just our effort, but it's him working through us that is going to cause growth. I think John 15 sums it up well when Jesus starts talking about abiding. He talks to his disciples, actually he's in this prayer, and he's talking and saying, I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser, each branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because... Jesus says that if we want to grow, what we need to be doing first and most importantly is abiding and clinging to Christ, depending on Him, learning what He did, learning how He loved, which was He laid down His life for us. As we're meditating on that and grasping that and seeing and remembering what He did and we abide in that, we're going to grow. As we're trusting Him and crying out and saying, God, help me to grow in this area. We will, I believe, because God promised He will do it, we are going to see growth. Abiding in Him. That's how we grow practically also the other side of it what is our part in it what is our motion in it i think we go back to what the disciples they heard and they saw and then they imitated if you want to grow grow in instruction grow in observation and go and imitate not only jesus but other disciples Some of you are saying, uh, I struggle in in my prayer life. I struggle in learning and knowing how to read the Bible well. What that means is we should go and find other disciples who are walking with him and ask them, teach me how to go, teach me how to be a better disciple in, in reading my Bible or in prayer. We should ask them and even observe and say, hey, can we have a Bible study together and you show me how you read the Bible? And then we go and imitate it. And go and live it out. And and as we're watching and hearing and living it out, I believe that we're going to see growth. Last question. What should we grow in? What should we grow in? Four things. First, First, we should be growing in grace, the grace and knowledge of Jesus. In our discipleship walk, we should be growing in our understanding of what Jesus did, of how God loves us, how God walks with us, what he cares for us about. We should be looking at his grace and, 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 and inserting it into different areas of our life and seeing how the gospel applies to this area and that area and how it walks us through. We should be knowing him more and growing in our understanding. Growing and and that we don't just have a a small view of the gospel, but we have this robust big view of what God has done for us so that we can worship him better. We can grow in our worship. Second, we should be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, Galatians five. He gives all these fruits of the flesh, things that are are terrible, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, etc., etc. He goes on. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those... Who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. As we're growing as disciples, what we're going to see is more of those things produced in us. Again, as we grow, we're going to be taking note, I hope, of things where it's like, I've never been patient with my wife in that area. Or I've never been forgiving in this area. And then all of a sudden we start, we look at our life as we're growing as disciples and say, Holy cow, I was patient. I was kind. I was loving. And we say, that's not me doing that. That's God working and growing me, producing fruit in me as a disciple who follows after him. We should be growing in areas where we see that fruit growing out of us. Third, we should be growing in our giftings. We probably aren't talking about this enough in this discussion of membership, but I believe that it's important piece for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, that have the Spirit dwelling in us, that, that we have been set apart for him and brought in and given new life, What the Spirit and the Scripture speaks a lot about is it gives us gifts, spiritual gifts, faith, healing, prophecy, tongues even, which really start to make us a little queasy and uncomfortable. But God gives us these gifts. Why? So that we can use them to build each other up. He gives us something. If you are in Christ, you have been given gifts. Have you thought about that in your discipleship? Have you considered that? Have you explored that and asked, Okay, God, you've given me things. Why? First, what are they? And then how do I use them for the building up of your body? How do I apply them so that the church is getting better? He didn't give you gifts so you can sit on them. He gave me and you gifts so we can encourage each other. So we should be looking and studying and in our discipleship saying... What are my gifts? And how do I grow in using my giftings, my spiritual giftings from God? Fourth and finally, we should be growing in our discipleship of others. We should be growing in our discipleship of others. Again, go back to Matthew 28. Jesus says that To his disciples, the one command that he leaves us at the end of the gospel, the thing that Matthew wants us to remember, is Jesus says, go make disciples. Baptizing them. Teaching them to obey and observe all I've commanded. Part of us being a disciple is that we are reproducing, we are multiplying that, and we are making disciples ourselves. Now some of you... I would assume. I'm saying no one's ever showed me what that looks like. No one's ever helped me. No one's ever discipled me. No one's ever showed me what it means to, be, to make a disciple. And, and so some of us just don't make disciples because we've never been shown. We've never been taught. And if that's you, I'd say, be encouraged to ask. Be encouraged to say, help me to learn how to make a disciple. Some of you may think that, that making disciples is just going out and doing evangelism. And I would say that that's part of it, but that's not all of it. Making a disciple is even what we do when we help out in a Sunday school class. When we're teaching a preschool kid about Jesus, I believe we are making disciples. or or when we are are going to our neighbor who might be uh, questioning their faith in God, and we just go have a spiritual conversation. We share with them what we're learning about Jesus. We're offering to them what we're growing in and learning at our church. That's even making a disciple. Someone doesn't have to be a Christian yet for you to say, I want to try to, I want to, by God's help, make a disciple out of them. We should be making disciples because other people have made disciples who have made disciples so that we could become disciples. Our desire is for us to grow the church, to make it look good, and for us to grow in our discipleship so that others can be included, so that we can grow together, so that more and more God's church can be made good, which makes his gospel look good. Which leads us to the Lord's Supper. It's interesting to me, as I was thinking about this passage and the fact that we have the Lord's Supper, communion, these elements. We talk about the fact that that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he did this meal. But that was also the same time where he had... He had those disciples, and they fell asleep in the prayer meeting, and then later they ran off. They were bad disciples, and yet Jesus still went and did this. He had this meal with them, which led ultimately to his pointing to the cross, where he died, where he, shed his, he gave his body, he shed his blood for them. He gave it for bad disciples. And they remembered this. And they continue to remember this. And we continue to remember this so that we can grow and trust Jesus. So we can grow in our walk because of what He did here. For us this morning as we gather for this meal, taking elements that symbolize what Jesus did and giving His body and His blood, may we be reminded of what He did for us. And so that we respond and we walk out from here saying, Thank you, Jesus, for that. May I grow in my discipleship. May I grow in my walk. In a moment after we pray, a couple of the guys will come forward, and if you can't take it here, they'll come to you. But I again encourage for us, if you are here and you've said yes to Jesus, if you say, Jesus is my Lord, he's my Savior, you can come up here and take this. And what you are doing as you are proclaiming this is saying, this is who I am. I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of him because of what he did for me coming here is a proclamation of that. And Paul, as he talks about the body, he's talking about the body when he gives the instructions for the Lord's Supper. He's talking about this idea of the Lord's Supper in terms of the body growing together, what they are declaring together. So today as we gather and we take this meal, we remind ourselves with these words. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread drink the cup for anyone who eats the bread and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself so as you're thinking about this examine your heart what do you need to talk to god about before you proclaim his death and remember until he comes again let's pray jesus we thank you that you called disciples You called men to follow you. You called, throughout your time, women to follow you. You called people to follow you, and that includes us. And you did it ultimately through this meal. You gave your body, you gave your blood, so that we could be joined with you, That we can be reunited and have communion with you, God. And so that we could walk through this life with you. Lord, we confess where we've missed it. Where we've forgotten what you've done. We remind ourselves of your grace and your goodness through this meal. And we ask until you come again may you remind us and walk through this life with us. Jesus, in your name we